the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Galarza. It is Friday, TGIF, July 23rd. And we have a big, big weekend ahead in the American soccer world. We have U.S. men's national team in the Gold Cup quarterfinals. We have the U.S. women's national team in a do-or-die, must-win situation in the Olympics against New Zealand. And then we have a full, full slate of MLS matches. 13, I believe. And then you also have European seasons starting to begin. Although it's it's smaller leagues, smaller leagues. The two Bundesliga and some of the other smaller European leagues. But you know what that means. Americans in action. Americans abroad. You'll start seeing Americans playing overseas. Actually, you already started to see it this week. We'll touch on that. But we have so much to get into. And I know, apologies. I know I said I was going to try to squeeze three episodes in this week. Uh, that was clearly ambitious, especially once I got to Wednesday and dropped one on Wednesday. Three in three days was just going to be way too much. Although I will say I do I do want to do the... And I do want to do an MLS-specific podcast. That's something in the works. That's something that, that I have in mind I want to do. Just kind of give the league its own kind of its own space, its own episode, its own show to just really dig into MLS. Because there's so much to get into in MLS, right? Number one. Number two, I fully appreciate that it's not everybody's cup of tea. Not all American soccer fans are MLS fans. Just the reality of things. There's a lot of, a lot of American soccer fans that are just into European soccer, just into rooting for Americans playing in Europe. And there are American soccer fans who hate MLS for whatever reason. You know, some obviously don't think it's 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 a good level. My own my own sons are not are not huge MLS fans, believe it or not. But it is what it is. But I know there are a lot of MLS fans, and I think we can do a show. We can do a, a separate a separate show instead of you know trying to mix it all in. There's just so much to get into when you talk about the men's national team, Americans abroad, women's national team. It's a lot to get into, but we'll do that. We'll keep talking MLS on the SBI show. However, I think it is going to come. There, there will come a time when we'll have to do another show to get more in depth. But enough about that. We have to talk U.S. men's national team in the Gold Cup on Sunday, taking on Jamaica in the quarterfinals down in Texas. And uh, I tell you what, Jamaica, they're going to be a tricky one. And the U.S. has played Jamaica what is it? I think I said it last episode. This is going to be the fifth time in sixth knockout rounds at the Gold Cup that they've played each other. And in those five previous meetings, or actually, I think I have it wrong. It's They've met four out of the last five. This will be five out of the last six. And of those past meetings, only once has Jamaica won. That was in the 2015 semifinal under Jurgen Klinsmann. Still remember that one. Uh, and... Look, this this Jamaica team might not be as good as that that version, that 2015 version. And but at the same time, this U.S. team is is still a work in progress. This group that they have at this Gold Cup. So we know, as we saw against Canada, Greg Berhalter has a young team. He has a team that's learning. He has he has a flawed roster in terms of some positions that just don't have good natural options. He's had some injuries also, obviously. But it's going to be a good test. It's going to be a good test. And and the big question, obviously, heading into Sunday is who is going to start. Who's going to start for the U.S. against against this Jamaica team? And you know what? Greg Berhalter has some decisions to make. And uh, I, I wrote on SBI a few days ago, kind of laying out a potential lineup we could see Berhalter go with. 
And then I put out a preferred lineup, basically the SBI suggested lineup, which is my suggested lineup. And I know some people, when they saw those, they were probably like, wait a minute, where's Daryl DK? That was the first question, right? I'm sure. But anyone who listened to the last episode knows my stance on DK versus artists at this point in time. And also DK, we don't know what, what's going on as far as his health, as far as his fitness. Is he injured? Cade Cowell was call, called in. Has not be, He's not become an official replacement yet, but he's there. And the fact that Cade Cowell is in tells me that something might be up with Daryl DK. But healthy or not, I'm going Jossie's artist. And I think Greg Berhalter goes Jossie's artist as the lead striker. And before we even get to names... First thing we have to talk is formation. Does Berhalter go 4-3-3 or or does he go 5-3-2? And I think the answer is pretty obvious just because of personnel that's available. And Walker Zimmerman's injury, losing Walker Zimmerman really changes things because I just don't think you're going to start Donovan Pines in the quarterfinal against Jamaica. Jamaica and the speed they have in attack and you want to have Donovan Pines in space. I mean, that's not a great uh, recipe there for success. And I think Berhalter knows that. So, so with that in mind, you have to think 4-3-3. And if you go 4-3-3, I think it's it's a pretty safe bet what we're going to see, at least from the back four and obviously Matt Turner in goal. Big question in the back, Reggie Cannon or Shaq Moore? I think Berhalter goes with Reggie Cannon. Because if you're going 4-3-3, Reggie Cannon is... A very good right back, 4-3-3 right back. He's not really, he doesn't really have the experience playing as a wing back or the comfort playing wing back. And that's something that Shaq Moore has on him is that I think Shaq Moore is a better fit as a wing back. But if you go 4-3-3, you can see Reggie Cannon getting the nod. And it's a good problem to have because both these guys can defend at the right back position. Shaq Moore is a solid defender. And we know Reggie Cannon is a solid defender. And you're going to need a solid defender against Jamaica and their wings. And if Leon Bailey is working on that side of the field, that's going to be a hell of a matchup for whoever has to deal with Leon Bailey. And he is Jamaica's most dangerous attacking weapon. So there you go. We, we, I have Berhalter starting Reggie Cannon. And I would probably start Shaq Moore. And, and you kind of ask yourself, wait a minute. So do you think Shaq Moore is better than Reggie Cannon? I wouldn't say that. But look, he's been playing. He's been he's he's started every game. He should be in a good rhythm now. I think he gives you a little more going forward. And I think in this game against Jamaica, you're going to want to attack Jamaica. You're going to want to go after that defense. Possession matters, obviously, being able to keep the ball. And, and Jamaica's midfield is not the best. Canada's midfield, much better than Jamaica's midfield, in my opinion. So if you're going to really try to go after them, I think Shaq Moore is the better bet. But you can't go wrong either way, as far as that goes. Center back's pretty easy. Miles Robinson, James Sands, you have to go with those two. Now, if, if, hypothetically speaking, Berhalter says, you know what? I love the 5-3-2. I love James Sands in that libero central center back role. And it's too good. I can't give it up. I'm going to go 5-3-2. Then what does he do? Does he go down? Does he really go Donovan Pines? Or does he actually go with Henry Kessler? And I said it last episode, in my opinion, I think he'd actually go Henry Kessler. I think, I, you know, again, I could be wrong, but I, if, if you're asking me who I would go with, I would go with Henry Kessler. I'd put him on the field over Donovan Pines. But before all that, I still think we're going to see 4-3-3, so I don't think it's going to even be an issue. 
And left back Sam Vines, I think he gets the nod. Uh, George Bello, he didn't show enough, I, I, I don't think, against Martinique. And Sam Vines actually had some, you know, the first game he scored the goal. I didn't think he had a particularly great game. But against Canada, I thought he played well. I thought he was one of the po- clear positives for the U.S. in that game. Now the midfield. Here's an uh, here's, There's some real questions there because if you ask me who I think Berhalter starts, I think he goes Sebastian Lejet, Christian Roldan, and in the sixth role, defensive midfield role, Kellen Acosta. And even though Kellen Acosta has been playing further up the field in the Gold Cup, I think now push comes to shove, you go Kellen Acosta because he is your best option. Not Jackson Ewell. Not, not Gianluca Busio right now. Necessarily. Eventually, six months from now, absolutely positively. Probably. But right now, Kellen Acosta is your guy. So I think that's who he's going to go with. I think he goes legit, Roldan, Acosta. Now, who do I, who would I go with? What do I think is another option for him? Well, it starts with what you do with Sebastian Legit. And the reason I say this is because obviously we know that in terms of natural wingers... This roster doesn't really have natural wingers. And Sebastian is just not a natural winger, but he can play on the wing. He can play wide. I mean, he's even played as the, you know, we saw him as a false nine at one point uh, before playing up top for the U.S. But I think he can play out wide. He can provide service. He can slip into the middle, help with possession. So if you're asking me, I put Sebastian Legette up on the forward line. And that gives me another, another midfield spot to put in Eric Williamson. And I think Eric Williamson has shown a lot in this tournament for me. And again, it's all about perspective. It's all about who, you know, who, who did it come against? But still, for me, what I've seen from Williamson, I really like. And I really think he would be a good matchup, a good option against Jamaica. And what Jamaica does and what, they can, what kind of problems they can present and what weaknesses they have. I think Eric Williamson's your guy. So I would go personally, the midfield three, I go Williamson. I would keep Kellen Acosta further up the field. As much as he didn't have a great game against Canada, I will fully accept that, appreciate that. As much as he was involved in the goal, 20 seconds into the game, overall it wasn't a great game for Kellen Acosta. But he's on. you're getting him on the field, right? That's uh, That much we know. Kellen Acosta is going to start. I don't think anyone's going to doubt, anyone's going to argue that. He will start. But I go Williamson Acosta in front of Gianluca Busio. And I know some people at least say, wait a minute, Jim, he just, he looked bad against Canada. He faded badly. He wasn't ready. He's not physical enough. Again, I feel like that's one of those, this is, this is one of those situations where one game, people want to just create the entire profile of a player off of one game and, and how they looked in the one game. Gianluca Busio is not a physical sp- specimen that is going to just overpower people in the midfield, but he's also not. He's also not this weak, weak link that people, some people seem to suggest that he is. Like, I think he can hold his own, but what can also help him is having some players who can give you that two-way work rate, who can provide some cover, who can give you some balance. And I think at Williamson, Acosta in front of Busio is a midfield three that gives you good balance. And of course, that puts Christian Roldan on the bench, but hey, Christian Roldan for me, and I've been one of the bigger proponents of Christian Roldan, even when he is not had the greatest performances for the U.S. in this Gold Cup. He hasn't had it. He hasn't shown it. He came off the bench against Canada and look, didn't look great. Good second half against Martinique. Mediocre first half against Martinique. But against Canada, I didn't like what I saw from him. I didn't like what I saw. And so from, for me, I got that's why I'm going to go Eric Williamson, Acosta, and Busio. 
And as much as Busio had his struggles against Canada, I think, look, you you don't necessarily just say, okay, he's not ready for the knockout runs. Give him this chance. Give him this opportunity. I, under, I'll under, I completely will understand if Berhalter doesn't. If Berhalter decides, look, man, I got to win. This is a knockout round. We can't, we can't afford to have a young player just not be ready. I don't know about that. I think he can I think he can be ready and I think he would be ready, especially if he had the right combination of players in front of him. And Williamson Acosta would give him, I think, the defensive support in front of him to help him do what he needs to do. So that's who I would go with. It could Berhalter go with it? I, I'm not ruling it out. I don't think it's impossible that he could do that. But I think he's gonna lean towards people players that he knows. He knows Christian Roldan. I think he's gonna give him his opportunity as much as he hasn't looked great in this goal cup. Now up top, who goes up top? I already said earlier, Jossie's artist, I think he gets a nod. I don't I don't think I think he gets a nod over over DK. Assuming DK is even an option, because he may he the, his injury issue could be an issue and he might not be available. And if it's and if he's out and if Cade Cowell ends up replacing him, Cade Cowell has not had a cap yet. And Cade Cowell, as much as he's looked good in MLS, he is a bench option. He's someone you bring on to shake things up, especially if Matthew Hoppy starts. And Matthew Hoppy's been great off the bench or was a great off the bench against Canada. You need somebody to help you off the bench. Jonathan Lewis is not that guy. He's not that guy, pal. Cade Cowell could be. But I think we should temper expectations on what Cade Cowell can give you. And I know some people are like, oh, you got to cap time. You got to get him on the field. That's all well and good. But listen, in terms of winning this game against... Jamaica. I think he goes artists up top. The hold up play. His his movement. His it, he 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 will score a goal, in my opinion. Jossie Zardes will score a goal against Jamaica. I call it right now. And then on the wing on the wide forward spots, Matthew Hoppy. I think he has to start. And I know the only issue can be is he fit enough to start? Is he fit enough in a tough game against a tough opponent? Is he going to give you sixty to seventy minutes at least? That's a big question. That's a big question because playing Martinique is different than playing Jamaica. I go Matthew Hoppy. I think Greg Berhalter goes Matthew Hoppy on the left at the left forward position. Right forward. I can see Berhalter going with Nicholas Giacchini, and I would totally respect that decision because look, Giacchini's done well with the opportunities he's gotten in this tournament. He's looked good. He's made things happen. One thing you can't deny is his his effort and his work rate and his his just willingness to get in there and fight. For every ball, fight for, you know, put himself in positions to make things happen. So from that standpoint, yeah, I can see Berhalter giving him the nod. Me personally, because of what I would like to see in the midfield, I would like, I would personally put push Legette up forward on the right, put him on the right. And then you can always interchange him and hoppy right and flop them, flip flop them on the one, on their separate uh, wings. That's what I would go with. I don't necessarily think Berhalter goes with that. And look, the lineup that I have projected for Greg Berhalter to probably go with isn't, it's not a bad, they're not bad options. I got to say, as much as some people will look at it and say, oh, I don't want to see Christian Oldan. I don't want to see Jossie Zardes. Where's Daryl DK? It's all, the, it's all the predictable stuff. And that's, listen, it's all well and good. People can have their opinions, people can have their preferences. This is all good. We're just talking. This is just opinions. And it's just funny to me because I some people get a little crazy. I got to be honest. They're like, you know, you you can disagree and be cordial. You can you can say, hey, buddy, you know what? I don't like your lineup. It's not what I would do. And anyone listening or anyone reading SBI, if you do, if you're if you don't agree, great. 
Let's have a conversation about it. But you get some people who are just freaked the heck out. And it's like, oh, this is terrible. How dare you? This is an affront to American soccer that you think. Like, it's just settle down. People settle down. And I know it's a very small but vocal minority that want to act like crackpots and want to get on Twitter and run their mouths and just talk trash. And it is what it is. Like, I don't, I don't really get to work. I'm too old at this point. I've been around the block too many times to get worked up by it. But it's just still funny to me that that's what, has been, that's what passes for discourse this day, these days. But I think either way, the U.S. should win. Not to say Jamaica couldn't pull the shocker. And we've learned, if we've learned anything in recent years, not, not even so recent anymore, but if we learned, learned anything, is that the U.S. men's national team should never take a Caribbean opponent lightly. We've learned that lesson. Trinidad taught that lesson. Jamaica taught that lesson in 2015 in the Gold Cup. So, no, you cannot overlook... Jamaica, as much as the U.S. has done well against Jamaica in the Gold Cup. They still have some weapons. They still have Andre Blake in goal, who, you know what, on his day, he'll shut you down. You won't put one past him. But we'll see. We'll see who what, what lineup Berhalter goes with. This, what, this much I do think. I think the U.S. is going to attack. They're going to go after Jamaica. Because Jamaica's defense is, if you're going to talk, like, they, are, they can be... Scored on, They're, well, they, their defense can be beaten. Blake, that's the that's the thing. Do you catch Blake on a day when he's Neo in the Matrix and just saves everything? That's that's always something that you can deal with. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. I think it'll be a great game. Quarterfinals of the Gold Cup. You have Mexico, Honduras. Mexico should handle Honduras. Honduras missing some key players, uh, some that actually went to the Olympics. You have Qatar, El Salvador, which could end up being like an 8-5 eight, five game. It's going to be like 12 goals in this game. But that's going to be a fun one to watch. Even if you only, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this, chances are you're watching USA, Jamaica. Find time to watch Qatar, El Salvador. Because that one's going to be, you know what, get your popcorn. There's going to be goals. There's going to be whatever the over-under on it, take the over quickly. Unless it's, it's, the over-under is probably 9 or 8 or something crazy like that. And then you have Canada, Costa Rica, which, folks, that one, we've all been talking about Canada, singing their praises. You know, all you heard about is, like, good team. I've said this. Good team. However, this Costa Rica team that they've brought is an experienced team. Now, what hurts them is is Leonel Moreiras, the goalkeeper, uh, was issued a red card in their in their last group stage game. And for those who don't remember Moreira, he was the goalkeeper in the Nations League for for Costa Rica. And you know, he gave Mexico all sorts of trouble. Good goalkeeper. But now they're now they don't have him. They're probably gonna have to go Esteban Alvarado as their go- goalkeeper. And he's not terrible. He's he's pretty decent. But Costa Rica has Brian Ruiz, Joel Campbell, Celso Borges. They have the the usual suspects. They're top they basically have their top attacking players in this tournament. And there's a reason Costa Rica is the one other team besides the U.S. that finished the group stage 3-0. and So I'll tell you right now, as much as I like Canada, as much as Canada, you know, is a handful, it's not a guarantee they get by Costa Rica. That's going to be a good one. That's going to, I definitely think. And look, injuries obviously have hit Canada uh, in the U.S. game. You saw Ayoakinola, Tornaciel, Kyle Aaron uh, came out with an injury. So you, you wonder where that stands. And again, that's, again, full credit, John Herdman, he rested some of his starters against the United States. And I'm sure some people were like, what are you doing? We got to beat the U.S. Like, this is what matters. Like, no, the quarter, for, the, for Canada in the Canadian program, getting past the quarterfinals is, is an accomplishment. It's, it's a big step. And I could totally see why Herdman would do that. And especially with the chance that you're going to play a good team like uh, Costa Rica, 
all the more reason. So that's going to be a good one. So I tell every, you know what? I'd say three of the four quarterfinals should be good ones. Mexico, Honduras. Mexico is going to roll over Honduras, in my opinion. I think they're due to to have a kind of a game breakout game, and I think that this will be the one. So I think I could definitely see a three nil, four nil Mexico over Honduras. And that's it for Gold Cup. Uh, I, my plan is to actually go to the Gold Cup final. Obviously, the U.S. is uh, the U.S. has to get there, and uh, if the U.S. doesn't go, I probably am not going to go either. But uh, I've made my arrangements to be in Las Vegas, and uh, you know what? We'll see if the U.S. can can get there. They have to beat Jamaica. Then they have to they have to beat the Qatar El Salvador winner in the semi. And El Salvador, I'm telling you, they're a handful for anybody right now. They're playing with so much confidence. And that El Salvador U.S. semifinal, what? Fireworks, folks. Fireworks. If it happens, not to count the chickens and get too far ahead, but if that game happens, we're talking fireworks. Especially, that's going to be the first qualifier in September. So if you're El Salvador, you want to send a message so badly in that game. They're going to be so up for that one. If it happens. Again, we got, first things first, you got to get through the quarterfinals. We'll see if that happens. Moving on, another news, U.S. men's national team news. The U.S. men's national team will face Jamaica in World Cup qualifying in October in Austin, Texas, at the new stadium in Austin. That was announced on Thursday. It makes all, it total sense. For one, brand new stadium, beautiful stadium, new bu- buzzing market, great soccer market, and also geographic location matters because they play Panama. The U.S. plays Panama three days later in Panama. So Austin to Panama, quick trip. So it takes all the boxes. And I'm looking forward to that. And not just because, you know, I want to go to Franklin Barbecue. I want to enjoy some of the best barbecue on the planet. Um, but, yeah, no, that should be a good one. And, again, in Texas, get some of the Texas-born U.S. players to, a chance to go back home. Weston McKinney, for one. So look forward to that one. That, that, that'll be an interesting one. And, again, it's funny. U.S.-Jamaica quarterfinals on Sunday in the Gold Cup, and then they're going to play again. And this is not – and, again, I'm going to jinx the U.S. here, but this the, this Jamaica team isn't quite the team of, of some past Jamaica teams, although the question is how will this influx of English-born Jamaicans boost the team? And that's, that's going to be a big – big marker there because you're going to see a lot of these players now get integrated into the program and and they're going to make Jamaica stronger so that that one if anything is kind of coming to light now and in, in, in through the gold cup and just seeing how things are playing out the octagonal is going to be rough the final round of world cup qualifying there's not many like pushover games there because El Salvador does not look at all like a pushover Canada is not a pushover who's the pushover in that group Panama I mean, Honduras, I know. They're not the Honduras of old. Costa Rica, I agree. Not the Costa Rica of old. So from that point, yeah, you could say maybe some of those challenges won't be as tough. But on the lower, on the opposite end, some teams are on the way up, like Canada and El Salvador. And that's going to make things very interesting starting in the fall. Up next, we have U.S. Women's National Team. They play Saturday morning at a reasonable hour, 7 a.m. Eastern, I believe. So, you, you know, you can... You can get get a normal, somewhat normal amount of sleep, wake up Saturday morning, get your coffee, and watch the U.S. women take on New Zealand in what is a must-win game. How do the women respond after getting thrashed by Sweden? They lost 3-0. It could have been 5-6-0, which is crazy to think about for a U.S. team that everyone thought was invincible, including myself. I thought, hey, as much as they look, I thought I would say Great Britain is a, is a challenger. The Dutch are a challenger. Brazil, I think they're a challenger. I thought those teams could be challengers. And look, Sweden just tied the U.S., so no one should have been surprised it was competitive. 
But the, to go the whole other direction and have Sweden just dominate, Vlatko Andonovsky has has a lot of work to do here. And I think the U.S. is going to roll over New Zealand. I know, you know, not to jinx it and not to just be the arrogant American, but look, New Zealand is not Sweden. And now you have a pissed off U.S. women's team. And I think they're going to put like five on them at least. Five, I'll go five nil, make it, make it, uh, make it a comfortable one. Now, if they lose to New Zealand, then it's like, wow, you're talking some craziness. That's crazy. That would be crazy. And as much as I know, some people took all sorts of joy in the U.S. women losing, which is ridiculous. It's just so pathetic. If you're an American, like, I, I don't know. I get it. Like, you don't have to agree with anything the U.S. women do. But if you're an American, you root for the U.S. women. You root for the U.S. team. But. It is what it is. There's some people who, who just were going to be predictably, you know, giddy about a U.S. loss or any U.S. losses. I don't think we'll see one on, on Saturday. I think the U.S. rebounds, smack up New Zealand, and then you move on to the last game and, you, and you're going to have to win that one as well. Tougher opponent, I believe, Australia. And we'll see what happens there. But first thing, they got to beat New Zealand. And they, I think they'll do it pretty comfortably. Now, as far as the Olympics in general... I think it needs to be said. Now, as far as the Olympics in general, uh, now let's talk about the men's tournament. And I know if you're listening, you're like, wait a minute, the U.S. aren't in it. Why do we care about the men's tournament? I just need to put, I need to provide a little context for people here and to prepare some American soccer fans for the possibility that Mexico is absolutely going to make a run at the Olympics. And here's why. Well, for one, credit to Mexico, right? They have a nice nucleus of young players based in Mexico. And Liga MX is fully behind the Olympic movement. The Olympic team has no problem getting all the players they want from Liga Mekis. And right now, there are a good number of talented players playing in Liga Mekis in that age group, in the U23 and under, basically 24 and under now. So between that and then having someone like Diego Lainez, who, you know, isn't, you know, isn't the most kind of untouchable player for his club in Spain, and you can get him for the tournament. Mexico goes to Tokyo with a group that's played together and has plenty of talent and you plug in some good overage players like Memo Ochoa, and you've got a great formula there. But then you look at some of the other teams. I mean, look at France, for example. France, we all know, or if you don't know, France, I don't, there aren't many teams in the entire world, if any, that have more talent, more top tier talent, 23 and under, than France. Killing Mbappe, boom. Is he going to the Olympics? No. But France tried to actually call up several of their top talents, Camavinga for one. And all the clubs said, no, hell no, we're not letting these guys go. So what does France do? France has to scramble. They have to go, you know, take their second, third, fourth choices. And now you have a kind of a mishmash of a team. And what happens? You got, you know, you're calling up old, older players like Gignac, Thauvin. <laughs> and what happens? Mexico smacks them up because they're a team, because they play together. They know each other. And yes, they're talented. There's no luck involved in a 4-1 victory. Mexico smacked up France 4-1. But I need people to understand who may not understand that, oh, maybe France just doesn't have the talent. No, France absolutely had the talent. They just didn't send it to Tokyo. And France isn't the only one, by the way. I mean, look at the other teams. Germany. Germany's right up there. Has one of the most talented collection collections of 23 and under players. Did any of them go to, to Tokyo? No. And what happens? They get smacked up by Brazil 4-2 right off the bat. And look, Brazil, it's not like Brazil send their very best either. But Brazil has some serious talent that 
they can pull. Even Spain. And Spain has some big guns. I mean, when you can get Pedri off of Euros, Pedri played in the Euros and was a best 11 player at the Euros. And Pedri is at the Olympics. Barcelona let him go to the Olympics. That, that's amazing to me. And he alone, just with him, Spain is, Spain's a problem. But it is disappointing overall just that the, the, you know, that you're just not seeing that kind of talent. Argentina, another example. Obviously, Argentina just won Copa America. So it's like, whatever. The Olympics, if they win the medal, who cares? As far as they are concerned, who cares? But still. Argentina losing to Australia? I mean, come on. And no knock against Australia, but again, when you have situations where you have these teams, these smaller teams, who can put together groups that can that know each other, that have played together, played in qualifying together, come from the same teams in their domestic leagues, that is the formula for Olympic success. Given the restrictions and given the the, the hurdles and obstacles to building a team, and the reason I'm even getting into all this is that I need the people. I need some people to understand as far as the U.S. goes. And this isn't at all an excuse or justification when it comes down to it. The U.S. failing to qualify for the Olympics is still terrible. It was still a disaster. It was still mismanagement. It was still Jason Christ not picking a good team and then not doing well with the team he picked. So that that's for starters, uh, before I even get into my point, I need to say that. No one's off the hook in t- as far as that goes. The U.S. should have, the US should have sent a team to the Olympics. They should be in the Olympics, period. Having said all that, you are never getting a full-strength U.S. Olympic team. As much as it would be a dream, as much as it would be amazing to have Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, uh, Tyler Adams, Josh Sargent, Tim Weah, Brendan Aronson, Serginho Dest, Giorena, Chris Richards. I mean, a, a true U.S. Olympic team, a true U.S. T- under-23 team would be ridiculous. If, if, you, if you take all the U-23 teams and you could have them all at full strength, the U.S. is up there. The U.S. has that much talent in that age group. And you know who wouldn't be there? Mexico wouldn't be there. If, the, if we're talking everyone's available, everyone's on, all hands on deck, for qualifying and the Olympics, it wouldn't even be close. Period. It wouldn't be. The U.S. would destroy Mexico. The U.S. would destroy Honduras. But again, Honduras, full credit to Honduras. They put everything into the Olympic qualifying setup. They have that ability to, to have a team to come together, spend tons of time together. And then the, the result is they get into the Olympics. And that's great for Honduras. Great for the opportunities that it could potentially present. Even though when they go, they generally don't do well. I think one year they did do well. To credit to them, I think they might have finished fourth. I could be wrong there. But they did have one good run that I recall. But I just want to kind of make that point that, look, <laughs> I, like, I, I'm, I'm, I agree. It would be amazing. It would have been amazing. It would be amazing if the U.S. could have their team, their true team, their full everybody that can play in, in the Olympics play. But it would never, ever, ever, ever happen. Chelsea's not letting Christian Pulisic play in the Olympics. Barcelona's not letting Serginho Dest play in the Olympics. Borussia Dortmund, I'm pretty sure, would not let Giorena play in the Olympics. They just sold Jaden Sancho. What do you think? They, you think they're going to now, you know, a guy who's absolutely going to start for them, they're going to just send him to them? No, not happen. So, I mean, unless there's a mode in FIFA that allows you to play that, you just it's just not, it's, sadly, it's not something we could ever see, unfortunately. Still, I think the Olympics are going to be fun to watch. 
especially once you get into the knockout rounds. And I'm telling you right now, Mexico can make a run. They can absolutely make a run. With, with the competition in this tournament, with the team that they have, with the familiarity that they have, and the talent that they have, Mexico can make a run. I, it, my money's on them meddling, put it that way. Winning it, mm, I still think Spain, even though Spain had a few injuries right off the bat in their first game, and they tied Egypt in their first game 0-0, I'm still going Spain to win it. But Mexico, I'll tell you right now, it won't surprise me if they make a deep run. And if they do, do not freak out and say, ah, look at this, look at Mexico. They're so No, settle down, people. If you wonder about the U.S., think about the Nations League, because that was pretty much the Olympic team, if you think about all the players that were there, Olympic-eligible players that were there. That's a much better representation of where the U.S. is in that age group than whatever happened in Olympic qualifying. Moving on, we have to talk Americans abroad, and Shaq Moore is uh, he's blowing up. He's gaining interest. Uh, European clubs, his actual t- Tenerife, his team in Spain, I believe their sporting director basically come, came out and acknowledged that there's a lot of interest in Shaq Moore. No formal offers just yet, but there's a lot of interest in him. So, you know what? Here's hoping that this Gold Cup that he's had really does help spark a move for him. And gets him up into, a, you know, gets him an opportunity to get back in La Liga. That'd be amazing. And he has shown in his Gold Cup that, look, he's got some talent. And there's another right back for the pile. The pile of, um, like, think about this. I feel like it was like three years ago, two years ago, even. U.S. didn't have any right backs, really. Now you got like a half dozen, at least. Maybe more. Actually, more. No pun intended. Uh, but yeah, no, it's great to see. Hopefully Shaq Moore can get, get himself a move. Speaking of players on the move, Chris Mueller is headed to Hibernian Hibs in Scotland. The, the, the club was uh, identified. Uh, it had come out initially that yes, he's going to Scotland. Now we know where he's going. He's going to Hibs, Hibernian. Good team. Opportunities there to, to, to play in, you know, play in Europe and, and, you know, use that as a springboard. Uh, and believe it or not, European season is, is here. Some leagues are already starting, including the two Bundesliga with Josh Sargent and Werder Bremen for now. Who knows if he stays there? I don't think he stays there, but he is going to play as of right now. And we all, for those who have missed it, he's been just lighting it up in the preseason, scoring goals and buckets. Bremen plays Hanover in the first game of the season on Saturday. Definitely, uh, if you can see that one, watch that one, see how Josh Sargent is doing. He's obviously been tearing it up in the preseason and... We'll see if he stays there. I don't think he stays there. I think he's going to go somewhere else in the in the actual in the first division in the Bundesliga. But we'll see. We'll see if he can kind of tear up some two Bundesliga defending and show that look, I'm ready. I'm going back up to the Bundesliga. Sorry, guys. And now we're going to wrap things up talking some MLS. Uh, the show, the show, as, as you might have expected, this show is going to go long. Uh, I, I've been sliding towards the 40 minute range now that we've gotten more episodes rolling. But we got a lot to cover, and we're actually, I think we're almost at the 40-minute mark right now, and we have a ton of MLS to get into. First, you had a full midweek slate of matches, and there's so many storylines to get into in terms of the midweek stuff. And first thing we have to get into is Inter-Miami's debacle, 5-0. Now, they've been losing. So losing is is one thing. But when you get beat up 5-0 at home, I mean, under normal circumstances, that's it. I mean, I think they've gone, I think that was their sixth straight loss. I think they've given. I think they've scored one goal in six matches. It's just everything's bad right now. It's all bad for Miami, which is kind of crazy when you think about the talent that they were starting with, some of the big names. It's just a disaster right now. And Phil Neville is the Teflon Don. He can't be touched again. Neville Beckham, 
their super close friends. Is Beckham going to pull the plug on this guy? Is he going to allow anyone else to pull the plug on this guy? <clears throat> or Amos? That So it, it's, a, it's, it's a disaster right now. They had the whole debacle with the Blaze Matuidi, uh, you know, salary cap, the, you know, shadiness. The fines and suspensions around that, like everything that could go wrong, is going wrong with this season for 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 Inter Miami. And look, I don't know how many people actually thought Phil Neville was a good hire. I can't think of many, not any reputable people who thought Phil Neville was a good hire as a head coach. But this, like, wow, like I'm sorry if he was anyone but David Beckham's fr- uh, best friend or close friend, he'd be out. I mean, we've seen in MLS this year, Gabriel Heinz out. Although there was some weirdness going on there with the you know all the stuff going on there, Chris Armis. Out. 11 games. Out. How does Phil Neville still have a job? I mean, we know we know how, but it's just, it's not a great look. It's not a great look. Especially for a team that came in with so many high hopes, so much ambition. But then you look at Nashville, who came, they came in together, right? Same expansion class. And Nashville's doing it right. They, they've built right off the rip a solid team. Successful team. They're packing their stadium. Nashville folks are are digging it. Meanwhile, in Miami, like, I mean, at this point, I, just, I feel like the inner Miami fans just go for the music. I feel like they're just going because the DJ's good. Because it ain't the soccer. It ain't the, the, it's not the product on the field. I mean, they do have a pretty good DJ. I got to say that. They got a pretty good DJ. But still, you're going to go sit in the rain. If you're going to go travel all the way to New York and then have a cancellation, you kind of want to do that for a team that actually gives you something. And they're giving fans nothing. They're not scoring goals. They're not stopping goals. It's just a mess. It's just a mess. And and you know what? It just feels like it's gonna not get any better because they're not going to make a coaching change. And again, coaching change doesn't tur- isn't going to magically turn them around. But Phil Neville looks lost. He looks absolutely lost. And at a certain point, David Beckham needs to realize that as much as it might hurt to fire his friend the longer he waits the worse the more the worse it is for his friend he's probably doing his buddy a favor if just he just pulls the plug down let phil neville figure it out and and, you know go back to the drawing board unfortunately for phil it's uh it's a little late to now take his old job back great britain is in the olympics there they won their first game they're looking good for a medal can't help but wonder if he had it to do over again, would he have just stayed with Great Britain and tried to win a gold medal? Probably not, but still. Miami needs to make a change, and we'll see if Beckham makes one. Because if he just waits till the end of the season, that's, that. I mean, that's just not a great... For me, that's a little bit of a slap in the face to the fans who keep coming out. Rain or shine. Miami fans are still out there, you know... They're not selling out, I don't think, but they're, you know, there's, you still see the fans coming out, even though they have been atrocious. Uh, but enough about Miami. Moving on. Uh, what, but hey, credit New England. They, they, New England is class, man. And, and anyone, no, no one should be surprised that Bruce Arena turned them into a winner. Bruce Arena transformed New England. I mean, think about it. It wasn't very long ago where New England was a laughing stock. You get a few years of Bruce Arena, all of a sudden you're MLS Cup contender. No one should be surprised by that. And I don't I don't know anyone who's followed the league for any reasonable length of time is surprised by that. They shouldn't be. We a- we absolutely have to talk about the Seattle Sounders. They go to Al- they go to Austin, they beat Austin FC. Raul Ruiz Diaz with a golazo from distance catches Brad Stuver off his line. But the big story is not just the win, it's the fact that they fielded the I don't know if it was the youngest team in the history of MLS, but I don't know how it couldn't be. They had five teenagers 
I mean, this team was super young. And they held their own in hostile environment on the road. Obviously, they have all the international call-ups and injuries, so they give all these guys the opportunity. Brian Schmetzer, the most underrated championship coach that you'll, you'll find, but credit to him, he keeps getting it done. And he takes a team of youngsters down to Texas and gets three points. And which is why Seattle absolutely just, you know what, they're making it all happen, and that's why they look like the MLS uh, Cup favorites right now. They absolutely, absolutely are on the short, short, short list of one. They're the favorites. Another match I wanted to talk about, Colorado Rapids beat FC Dallas 2-0, and I, I like what I'm seeing from the Rapids. But I, the reason I wanted to point to this game is I wanted to talk a little about Justin Che, who's been playing right back for FC Dallas. And he's an interesting case, right, because he's a bit of a tweener in that he can you can kind of see him as a center back. Is he is he physical enough yet at this point to be a center back? But he's definitely athletic enough and skilled enough to handle right back. And he's been doing it with FC Dallas. And I, I you know, a few episodes, I want to say a month ago, I didn't buy the Justin Che at right back thing. I thought, okay, I thought more center back, more center back. But the more I've had a chance to watch him, he's holding his own as a right back. And he's definitely putting some film together that's going to have some teams looking at him as a right back. But is that where his long-term future is? That's what I'm kind of curious about. Because I think he has the makeup to be a pretty damn good center back. He's not there physically yet. I think strength-wise he could he could improve there. And obviously he's young still, so he could fill out. But that's kind of going to be the question with Justin Che going forward is center back or right back. And right now he looks pretty good as a right back. I'll give him that. People need to chill the hell out, though, with the national team talk because I still see it every now and then just whenever I'm stumbling through Twitter and every, and then you get just some people like, oh, Justin Shea, Justin Shea national team. Like, and it's like, it's just amazing how this has become such a thing. And it's like, no, he's not close. He's really not close. He's got a lot of developing to do, whether he's right back or center back. But let's stop the Justin Shea conversations about the national team. Take it easy, folks. And I get that's what it is these days. It's all about overreacting and and hyping up overhyping young players and that for me is an example of one and it you know what young some young players they get you know Gianluca Busio has been dominant in MLS this season so you're not really stretching it when you say look he's been one of the best midfielders in MLS he can get a chance with the national team James Sands has been outstanding for NYCFC for a while he should get an opportunity. Let's see Justin Shea put it together for a considerable amount of time before we get into this talk already. And it's just funny. Look, people are going to do what they do. Nothing I say is going to change that. Nothing anyone's going to say is it change people who that's just kind of how they're wired to be. It is what it is. But I'm just letting people know. If he doesn't make it happen immediately, it's not because he's not good. It's just he needs time. The talent is there, but he needs time. And so people need to chill the hell out with the Justin Che national team talk. That's all I'm saying. His day will come. But right now, people need to relax. Another big game uh, in the midweek MLS slate. Portland Timbers defeat LAFC 2-1. to Felipe Mora with a late winner. Sebastian Blanco assists. Great, great game. They they stop LAFC's uh, three-game winning streak. And uh, this is, uh, I mean, Seattle, as much as Seattle is the favorite, you can't right off Portland. And you also can't write off LAFC. Even though they lost that game, LAFC had been on a good run. We're seeing the Vela-Diego Rossi tandem again, starting to click. Not a better tandem in the league. 
credit to Portland. They get the W. And moving on, we have a it's going to be a busy, busy, busy weekend. So you already have the women's national team and the men's national team playing. And then you have the full slate of MLS matches. I won't get into all of them because we're already at, almost at the 50-minute mark. I don't want to go over an hour. But looking at some of these matches, Atlanta-Columbus. Now, Atlanta obviously got rid of Gabriel Heinze. They tied in their first game uh, without Heinze. And Rob Valentino, interim coach, in, will he get the opportunity long-term? Problem? I don't know about that. But you're already hearing some really good things about him. I know he's a smart guy. He's a well-liked guy. So he could do pretty well with this group. Will he do well enough to keep an opportunity into the offseason? That's, that's going to be an interesting one. Because I don't know if Atlanta necessarily wants to rush a hire if they're going to go big time again, big name again. Or if maybe they're going to go the American route. But we'll see what Rob Valentino can do there. Obviously, Columbus is going to be a good challenge for them. Looking at some of these other matches, top matches to watch. Minnesota-Portland, we know that they kind of have that. Is it, I don't, do you call it a rivalry? I don't know. They have this kind of familiar thing. They've played each other. They've made all these trades together. It's like they're cousins, right? Minnesota and Portland. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. And I'm looking at here. Uh, RSL Colorado could be an interesting one. And right now, uh, when you talk about goalkeepers in MLS, David Ochoa has been, you know, playing really well. And I know, you know, they 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 lost to LAFC on that Carlos Fella goal, but he was unbelievable in that game. And I know there's still question marks about national team. Who's he going to play for? He just trained with Mexico. We're still waiting to see how that plays out. I'm trying to, I'd love to interview him, but I don't, I'm trying to work that out, see if I can get him. I'd love to talk to him again. I think you're going to have to wait till Sunday. NYCFC Orlando City, I think that's going to be a good one. That's a little nice little appetizer before uh, before the, the big Gold Cup matches on that Sunday. And then the big one on Sunday evening, 9 p.m. Unfortunately, it's the same time almost as USA Jamaica. You have Seattle, Kansas City. So that that's TiVo time or two TV time because Seattle sporting Kansas City is going to be a heck of a game. It's in Seattle. I already mentioned earlier, Seattle's being forced to play a lot of young players because of all the national team call-ups and injuries. Still top team, tough team to beat at home, especially at Lumen Field. But sporting KC has looked really good. And this is an opportunity to jump into, for, you know, to really push Seattle. At the top of the Western Conference right now, actually Seattle is five points clear of Kansas City with one more game played. So Kansas City, if they some if they win in Seattle, they close the gap to two. Uh, and right now Seattle's undefeated at home; they're five zero and three at home. So that's going to be a good one. Uh, I would definitely D, uh, DVR that one for sure. So while you watch US Jamaica, USA Jamaica, once that's over, then you can watch Seattle. KC and see how that one plays out. Uh, and I think that wraps it up. I think we touched on everything uh, in terms of MLS. Uh, Orlando City uh, have new owners, and we'll see how that how that goes there. I got to say, I was never impressed with the old owners in Orlando City. And obviously, you can, you know, you look at the results and you can understand why, right? Like, consistently for a long time, Orlando underachieved. Now they've figured it out. They, they you know, they you, you hire Oscar Pareja. He's definitely instilled a winning environment there now. So now they're on the right track. But we'll see what these new owners do in Orlando. And you always, you're always curious how new owners are going to affect or improve or diminish a team. And I think these new owners just might help Orlando take a step, another step forward. And right now in Florida, with Miami bumbling and stumbling, if you're Orlando, if you're those new owners in Orlando, you're looking at Miami in the you know, dumpster fire right now going on there. And you're thinking, well, we need to stay ahead of them. 
And it's not that tough right now because Miami is a mess. But that's it. I think we've wrapped it up. I think we've covered everything for now. And we will be back on Monday. I'm saying it right now. If, and if I'm not back on Monday, you're allowed, to, you're allowed to like punch me in the face. No, not really. You can tackle me. You can try to tackle me if you see me in the street. But I promise Monday, next episode, we'll have a lot to talk about for sure. We'll have the U.S. men's national team and, and what happens with them in the Gold Cup Court Finals. We'll have Gold Cup to talk about. We'll have U.S. women's national team. We'll have MLS, all the MLS results, and we'll even have some Americans abroad European results. Um, so then we'll do a Monday episode, and then you'll have, if all goes well, USA Gold Cup semifinals on Thursday. And knock on wood, if it all goes well, Gold Cup final the week after that. I've booked my flight to Vegas already, because I had to, because it's better to book it and then cancel it later, because you know how places are. Hopefully the U.S. is in Vegas for that final. But first things first, they got to get past Jamaica on Sunday. But that's all for now. Thank you for listening. Again, if you have any questions or if you want to offer some feedback, some insight, let me know on Twitter at Soccer by or on the website itself, SBI Soccer. But that's all for now. I'm Ivis Klarset. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>